You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And what is up? Welcome in GC Live Wednesday episode of the show. Wes Mitchell here, Chris Clark. Figured it was a good time to check in with everybody. Obviously, as you know, this is the time of year where sometimes we do a show and Chris, sometimes we don't. But uh, that will certainly change, I would say, probably next week. We'll uh, we'll have definitely a lot to talk about. Pro Timing Day on Monday. Want to get into that a little bit, just uh, coming off the combine and going into Pro Day. And then, of course, spring football practice. Believe it or not, it is here right around the corner, kicking off next week. So we'll have plenty to get to then. And I uh, just felt like it was a good time to sort of uh, get everybody caught up, kind of leading into all those things. As always, this show brought to you by our good buddy, Clint Hammond of Movement Mortgage, clinthammond.com, 803-771-6933. If you want to buy a house, if you want to just see – you know, what that even might look like for you, Clint can kind of help walk you through that process. Again, 803-771-6933. Chris, I feel like we're in an odd time right now. Um, I don't feel like there's much breaking news right now. Like, I don't think there's, I don't think there's like massive news right now. But I do feel like there's a lot of little things that are kind of going on. And we're getting into a time where obviously there will be, uh, you know, quite a bit of news. And then if you go broader, baseball team rolling right along right now. Women's basketball, of course, going to be the number one overall seed in that tournament. That's going to have a lot of people's attention as well. So not a lot of breaking news, but there is stuff going on in game cognition. Yeah, kind of that transitional period between, you know, obviously – we had a little bit more activity at the, right at the beginning of February, maybe than usual West with Nicholas Harbor. Um, and then everything else has been kind of a lead into the period that we're in now, which is postseason play for women's basketball. Like you said, spring football right around the corner, not quite here yet, but we are at the point where hey, it's time to analyze what are the spring storylines? What does this team need to accomplish? What are the things we know? What are the questions that, need to get answered and that'll of course will be an ongoing conversation as we go through spring but there's plenty of that to discuss we're also in a period west where going to start getting a little bit more recruiting activity there was a dead period recently where of course the coaches from south carolina staff were not on the road um, and prospects were not allowed to head to south carolina's campus for visits either now we're in a quiet period where no, coaches aren't going to be on the road, but prospects can now come back on college campuses. So, Wes, I know you and I have been working the past few days on compiling a prospect list. I've got that ticketed for tomorrow on GamecockCentral.com, maybe a little first release for some spring visitors to anticipate. So, uh, just from what we've seen, I know you and I have been passing that list back and forth. Some pretty good names on it. It's going to continue to grow over time. Uh, the spring game, obviously, in April will be a time where prospects can visit. But really, Wes, every weekend from now until then, and even a bunch of the weekdays, they're going to be hosting guys from the 2024 class and beyond. So, like you said, plenty plenty of things going on. We're not in game week mode or anything like we will be in September. Um, we're not in signing day mode, but a lot of smaller things that have accumulated where it's pretty busy right now. Yeah, and, uh, man, I, I think – so the list – at least from what I've seen so far, the list right now is solid. I'm maybe even more intrigued with the guys that fall in the category. We see a lot of this, especially this time of year and in the summer. The old, uh, hey, you know, so where are you going to go? Oh, I want to get to South Carolina. Do you have it set up yet? Oh, no, I don't have a date yet. I'll let you yep. know. Um, and then it's, wait, who is that dude standing over there that the coaches just went flocking to? 
you know, when we're at open practice and we're trying to figure out who they are. Sometimes you have the guys that have like, I mean, you look at Dylan Stewart, for example. His is like, here's a hundred schools. I'm going to be there at this date, this date, this date, this. In reality, he's going to he's going to nine. He has nine scheduled trips. And they're all set. Now, granted, there will inevitably be some changes. There always are, but it is pretty structured. You do see, I mean, a ton of guys that it'll just be like, oh, I just dropped by. The in-state kids especially, you know, you'll see just sort of show up. So that's a list that I think will give fans a decent idea. But I I care just as much when I'm trying to kind of get an idea of where things are of the guys who are like, oh, I'm definitely visiting. But then they just haven't really locked in a date yet. And it can be telling both sides of that, Chris. It's telling which guys follow through on that. And it, frankly, can be very telling which guys we always see. There's a couple of kids who will be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to visit. I'm going to visit. And then it just never happens. So I think both both sides of those things can be very telling, even at what is still a relatively early part of the recruiting process. Yeah, and I think we're going to have a category for that uh, in our first report, West tomorrow, maybe ongoing. Maybe we'll have a category of here's the scheduled visits to South Carolina, who they are, when they're heading to South Carolina. Maybe here's some guys that aren't set but have indicated that they are planning a visit at some point this spring or, heck, maybe even in the summer. We are at a pretty uh, busy point, Wes, in the next few months in terms of visits. Um, When you look at spring practice, you look at just campus visits here during this quiet period in which prospects can visit. You look at the spring game. And then, of course, even if if you look down the road a little bit on the calendar, camp season in June, That'll be here before we know it. It's already March 8th. It was just January a few days ago, it seems like. So things already flying by, but the recruiting activity, I had someone ask me on the Insiders Forum recently, why is recruiting so quiet? And I think there's a few reasons for it. One is you are just coming off that dead period. Two, South Carolina had a, a little, you know, mini flurry of activity in the 2024 class in terms of commitments, and they're off to a great start. But I think that's just naturally you know, where where it's at right now, just in the progression of this recruiting class. Got off to a nice start. That slowed a little bit, but the momentum, Wes, I don't think is really slowed. There were a couple guys or a few guys maybe that they had a chance to, I think, maybe get committed in February that maybe just didn't end up happening for whatever reason that they're still in a good spot for. So I think you just add all that up, and that's why maybe you haven't heard quite as much lately about recruiting. Still, though, plenty going on behind the scenes, and you're going to see a lot more here in the next few weeks. Yeah, man, and I, I think, um, you know, part part of it right now is Carolina's on spring break, so you're going to see, whereas some other schools maybe are already having prospects on campus for South Carolina, I think w- once you hit March 14th when, you know, you actually start having some practices and stuff, then – you're going to see players just rolling through like crazy. And then certainly they'll have some scrimmages that prospects will be at. And then the spring game, I think, will once again, uh, you know, there's already some guys that are listed for that that, you know, I, I think are major prospects for South Carolina. So a, a lot to track, a lot that will be going on. And this is really, you know, I, I look at junior days, which would have been in January, and then I look at this spring time as kind of, I don't know what you would call it. Maybe it's like, it's like foundation building. This is the foundation of the recruiting process for a lot of these guys if they didn't take a bunch of visits during their prior fall and uh, really an opportunity to sort of figure out, all right, is this a guy? I feel like, Chris, our job, we're ultimately trying to find the sort of intersection of mutual interest. And sometimes that can be prospect, tons of interest, South Carolina, maybe, eh. The other side can be, well, South Carolina loves this guy, but the Gamecocks are sixth or seventh on the list or something. He may have a top ten, but you can be in a top ten and not really be in the conversation even, honestly. So I I think we get a lot of information on um, the foundation of what this class may look like and what those top five, what what those official visits are. You know, being at that Under Armour camp in Atlanta or outside of Atlanta, Chris, you already started to hear guys talking about, I'm going to take my June official visits. I'm going to go ahead and 
take these trips and decide in July or August. So uh, I think there'll be quite a bit of movement on what this class could look like moving forward. And, um, you know, let's let's keep it with recruiting just for right now, Chris. And on three, I thought this was an interesting idea. On three basically running um, what they're calling a recruiting prediction machine day. And, uh, you know, I'll go ahead and give mine away. They weren't, they weren't like crazy out there on a limb prediction. And basically what this meant is they wanted, you know, every national expert and then every site to, to do three predictions today. And most of mine were predictions I had actually considered doing already. And uh, so I, I had Kelvin Hunter from West Florence uh, to South Carolina. Uh, I put him at about 65%. I usually use 50% as my baseline. Uh, I put Jonathan Paler to South Carolina. He's said South Carolina leads publicly, although I still think there's some ways to go there, some uh, hurdles for South Carolina to clear. And then, um, you know, I, I went with um, uh, Blake at, at uh, Greenville. And so I think no surprise there for South Carolina fans. Um, but at the same time, three guys that I, I do think the process is still sort of ongoing for. Yeah, and I was trying to think while you said that if I if I could make a contribution and try to rank those in terms of South Carolina's chances. And Paler is the one for me that I would probably agree maybe, Wes, if you're going from highest to lowest confidence for South Carolina. Look, let me start with Franks. I mean, that was a guy that, you know, behind the scenes and, and even some stuff came out publicly about it, looked like he had a commitment date scheduled last month in February. I think it was the 20th. And that got shut down, basically. It, it, it did not end up happening. Doesn't certainly mean that South Carolina's out of the race. In fact, I still feel like you, that South Carolina, all things considered, is in the best spot. But with him not publicly committing, that has left the door open, you know, specifically for Clemson, which at one time was the longtime leader. But I'd still have him up there. Kelvin Hunter's a guy that, Wes, it seems like they've been on him for a really long time. Early offer from camp, what was that, maybe two years ago, where he uh, attended South Carolina's camp, did put up some really good testing numbers, picked up an early offer, and there's been some mutual attraction there. Paler is just a really interesting one because he has named USC as his leader publicly. Recently with the On3 Network, he, he mentioned that uh, South Carolina and NC State were kind of neck and neck right there. Um, and then Clemson feels like they're in it to a pretty heavy degree. And that indicates to me that there's a little bit of back and forth. But South Carolina has been a common denominator here um, to where in the last several weeks, they've really done a good job with Paler in terms of the relationships. Um and in terms of their standing with him, but I would still probably have him maybe a little bit more to your 50% baseline, right? Just because I feel like there's probably a little ways to go there and that the competition is probably even a little bit more stiff with him than those others. But uh, I think three good picks and look in those three guys, if South Carolina could land them ultimately, if they do, you're talking about two more in-state guys after the start that they've already had to the 2024 class within their own state's borders. And then Jonathan Paler, which is at a need position at receiver from a state that South Carolina needs to do better in and wants to do better in, in North Carolina. Well, and with, with Paler, I, I did, you know, talking to some of the NC state guys, the guys that cover, uh, you know, that program closely. Um, he's one of these kids. that's just a very positive um you know, we, we see it all the time, Chris, not to put guys in different categories, but, you know, some kids just every school they talk about, they're going to you're going to think that school hung the moon, basically. And if, if you just asked them about one school and just ran an interview about that school, you'd be like, man, that kid might be going there. And he's just a positive, you know, outgoing kid. So I, I think you do have a little bit of that with Paler, maybe, a, I don't know, maybe a little bit of let me. Let me tell the person who's asking me what they want to hear. Um, but even even in that interview with the NC State site, it did sound like he he said South Carolina and NC State are neck and neck. But it kind of sound like sounded like he did confirm South Carolina was leading, but they were yep. neck and neck. Is the way I read it. And so I think Carolina's in it. 
he he's going to be one to keep an eye on this this trend we've always seen, and that is the do I take an official visit to the local schools trend. And we know coaches, whenever they hear a kid say that, they always cringe. Um, <laughs> yeah, because they want the kid to take an official right. And he's already he said publicly he may not take an NC State official visit because he can get there so easily. Um, you know, he's been quoted as saying he's going to visit South Carolina officially in June. He didn't mention that official in uh, that that on three NC State story, uh, you know, with Ethan. Uh, and I actually met Ethan at uh, the Atlanta Under Armour camp. Great dude, great guy, and does a really good job of covering NC State. But, um, you know, him being up there, he's he's met Paler in person and, you know, has, has developed a relationship with him. And I think this is going to be one where – I do think if Paler were to go ahead and decide, like in the next month or so, I think it would probably be South Carolina. Just even going off his own words, but you know, does it get out? Does he take this official to Colorado? That's something he's talked about. You got the the Dion factor here, so could still be a ways to go. But man, South Carolina obviously would love to add the speed element that uh, that Paler has, and another kid that who's his track schedule. Mm-hmm. sort of has affected his his visit stuff. I have not confirmed this at all, but one of our posters uh, responded and said it was being said on some of the Clemson boards that Paler actually is not visiting Clemson this weekend. That was originally planned. And um, so, uh, yeah, there, there's going to be some movement there, one to keep an eye on, but three guys, you know, that I, I think Carolina's in pretty good shape on, at least right now, uh, this moment in time. You know, it doesn't mean they're necessarily going to definitely – land them but uh, interesting movement potentially with Dylan Stewart as well did you notice what came out from some other sites uh, from on three RPM day is actually a prediction for Alabama with Dylan Stewart um, from Joseph on the uh, the Bama site on on three Joseph Hastings and you know I I tend to think that uh, it sounds like that visit did go well. I tend to think there is a sentiment that Alabama is going to get pretty much who they want most of the time that may be involved here because they're fresh off of that visit. And, um, you know, I, I still think South Carolina will be here for the long haul on the Dylan Stewart recruitment. Yeah, you don't get five stars. You don't get the number one player in the country, which is what he is right now, according to on three's internal rankings, you don't get those guys uncontested. Even if you've had them on campus, what five to seven times already, like South Carolina has, I think there was a recognition here that yes, Dylan Stewart has called you his leader. Yes. You have a really good shot. You've had him on campus probably more than anybody else at this point. All those factors are fantastic, but you still have to get to that finish line. And so there's always this recognition for South Carolina that you would have to weather, you're going to have to weather a storm if you end up signing him. Um, and so that's going to be this this spring slash summer tour that he's taking and some official visits, Wes. He, he's going to take them to programs that are impressive and that you're going to have to fend off. He's going to see Alabama, like you said. He's going to see Georgia. Um those programs are going to be major, major factors for Dylan Stewart, I would say, going forward. And certainly you look at Georgia, the way they're recruiting, they're going to be a factor for about anybody that they want nationally. They're going to have some type of name appeal, some type of pull. Alabama, same thing. And they've they've actually done a, a good job in the past in that DMV area of pulling some guys um, out of that region. But Sterling Lucas, Shane Beamer, the rest of the staff, done a really good job with Stewart. So, you know, I think what you want, Wes, is you would rather Dylan Stewart go ahead and take these visits. You know, take these unofficial visits, take your slate of official visits. It would have been a, you know, a huge national storyline if he would have, say, already committed to South Carolina. But what if he had already committed and then he's going to go take those visits on the back end anyway? I think you'd rather him, if you're South Carolina, finish out that process and be sure. And that's not to say it's a sure thing they'll get him, um, but they've they've definitely gotten themselves a seat at the table. They've got, we can throw out all the cliches, pole position, whatever you want to say. 
they're in the lead. They're publicly in the lead, but they are going to have to weather this storm. And there's there's a big one coming with with the likes of Alabama, Georgia, and some other national powers. All right, sorry, y'all. I uh, that was not me being muted. You got it. <laughs> and not knowing it, that was me trying to get it to unmute and it not wanting to unmute. But um, yeah, and I I do think with Sterling Lucas, he has taken a kind of a we, we've seen him. He, he's not going to be one of these guys going to pressure a prospect into committing. He takes the long road. The I'm going to take the it, we know it's a marathon. I'm going to just sort of keep stay stay the process right, stay the course. And, uh, and and made the uh, best school win, and I, I think that'll be the case with Dylan Stewart. Although, could be wrong, man. I don't get the sense necessarily that people think this one's going to go the full Nicholas Harbor go the distance route. Yeah. Um, could I be wrong? Of course, but um, you know I, I don't think so. So anyway, all right. That's um, again some re- some recruiting talk and. Um, we got plenty more to get to, so let's let's go ahead and move it on along. But uh, before we get any further, Chris, going to tell everybody about our friends at Liberty Tax, and uh, you can give them a call um, at 803-462-5576. Tax time is here, of course, and um, you want to go through this process with some help. You want to go through this process actually in whatever way makes most sense to you. That could be online. That could be in person. That could be a combination of the two where you set everything up online, get all of your documents uploaded, and then go meet with them in person and have it be just a much more streamlined process. So however you want to do your taxes, our friends right here in Irmo, Lexington, and Columbia at Liberty Tax can help you through this process. Again, that's 803-462-5576. Go online there or give them a call and set up your appointment today. Chris, uh, we had Mo Caba in studio today at 107.5 on our GC Takeover. And I got to say, man, could not have been, first of all, more impressed with Mo Caba. Just a great dude, great interview. I would encourage everyone to go listen to that if you missed it earlier. Um, I think I'm going to upload a, a different, maybe more efficient version of it on our YouTube after we get off here. So go check that out as well. But um, we so we won't give away everything we talked about. Y'all can go listen to the full thing because Mode I thought did a fantastic job of just giving us thorough, um, you know, deep answers. But he did provide also a an update on the progress of his rehab with his knee, and um, seems to be doing fantastic. Seems to be in a great place mentally. Chris, he talked about how going through it one time really helped him to be in a position mentally to deal with it this time as well. And um, just sounded, I mean, I know it's a pro it's a process, but really just seems to be in, in a good place on where everything is as far as the uh, rehab process goes. Yeah. Great attitude. You know, for me, Wes, I'll be honest. Sometimes when you're talking to players or people about injuries and surgeries, you're kind of, uh, you know, it's kind of like the walking on eggshells thing, but I found all the athletes that we've been talking to lately, especially have had no issues with it. You know, it's just, it happened. Here's what it is. They've all had great attitudes, kind of inspiring, like better attitude than I would probably have about it. Right. Because you think of Mo Kaba, he had an ACL injury in high school, rehabbed it, uh, worked his way through it, which it took him quite a while, you know, in his younger in the earlier part of his career at South Carolina, finally got himself going into last season where he had had a great spring. He was special teams player of the spring, um, most improved player on defense of the spring. Looks like he's going to have a phenomenal year and kind of a breakout year. Game two, tears the same ACL and the same knee. And just really did – just had a great attitude. And so he's – um. What he's doing right now is he is not running, uh, not jogging. He's basically been doing, what is it, Wes, the anti-gravity treadmill or something like that, Some, something fancy. And so he's been doing that. No sand pit work yet. He won't be f- a full go at all. He won't do anything during the spring other than his rehab, which is basically a daily process. And so 
He's, I think, four to five months out, something like that, on the recovery and a ways to go. But he's tracking really well, working with Chip Morton, uh, the assistant strength coach in the weight room, basically on a daily basis, kind of off to the side, just regaining the strength. One interesting thing he said, Wes, is sometimes he has to dial it back because he'll be doing – you know, some stuff in the weight room, some lower body stuff, then you'll have soreness in the knee. And when he said that, I'm like, Oh, is that good? But it actually is it means things are getting better healing up. And so it uh, looks like he's on a really good track. And so we won't see him this spring. Um, but this summer later in the summer, and then certainly in the preseason, the expectation is he'll uh, be back ready to roll. And that'll be a, a really significant get for the USC defense. I think he's kind of been lost when you're thinking about the linebackers losing two senior linebackers. So naturally your mind goes to, okay, who else is on the roster and stone Blanton and Hey, pup Howard from the freshman class. But Mo Cabba is a guy out there that can make a significant impact special teams wise and defensively. And um, so, yeah, it sounds like everything's going really, really well in terms of the rehab right now. Yeah. And again, could I have been more impressed with him? Y'all go check that out. Just, Phenomenal dude, and a really, really cool NIL deal as well with uh, Cato's Power Equipment here in Columbia, and you know the whole Mo Caba thing, possibly the best play on words we have seen with NIL deals. I know Preston, we, we missed Preston on 107.5. Didn't we talk to Preston about some of the different NIL deals you could possibly do? Like, yeah, rushes completely missed completely missed out on the possibility of doing a Darius Rush deal. I mean, maybe you still could, but I yeah, mean, do it now. 100% should have done that while he was on campus and probably some other guys that I'm not thinking of off the top, but Mo Kaba, excellent use of creativity in creativity in the NIL space. And uh, speaking of Darius Rush, let's talk a little NFL combine, Chris, let's talk about upcoming pro day and, um, Darius uh, throwing down a uh, – so I had I had been saying 437, 40-yard dash. I think the official NFL.com profile now actually says 436. Yep. Um, Sliding him a hundredth of a second. I know. Um, I, I did see somebody on Twitter who uh, I guess was freezing it and said that he ran a 411 or something because the, the timer on the screen – was not Ooh. properly yes. uh, synced up, I guess would be the way to say it. But did not run a 4-1, but did run a 4-3-6, which at his size, and based on, you know, I, I talked about this on 107.5. I had heard, and I thought maybe mid-4-4s, and I thought that would be a great time oh, yeah. for him, Chris. But uh, throwing down the 4-3-6 continues to show upward mobility in – the projections for where he could go. And I know you wrote about several of the guys there on Gamecock Central here recently. Yeah, Darius Rush is is creeping up to that top 100 type territory, according to what some people think that I've spoken to in the NFL scouting ranks. Uh, when I say top 100, that doesn't mean, hey, this guy's probably a first round pick or anything like that. But he has gotten up west to where if Darius Rush goes – third round or something like that it's no surprise so it's um it's been a great rise for him just really cool story really cool progression when you think about what we saw in high school um that kind of raw athleticism and him going to usc as a receiver and now exiting as basically an nfl ready firm mid-round draft selection who uh, put a lot of great stuff on tape particularly the past couple years on special teams and at corner Um, and then did really well for himself at the Combine. So I'd imagine on Pro Day West, he's not doing too much. He probably shouldn't. You know, maybe some drills and talking to teams and things like that. He probably isn't touching a 40 or anything like that. Don't think he'll do much better than that. So, uh, But, yeah, his his rise from just what he did his senior year to the Senior Bowl. Remember how much buzz there was about him during Senior Bowl week and now going to the Combine and running that time. I don't want to say that was the only question about Darius Rush, um, but certainly the, the straight line speed and what he would run was a question. And he answered that for sure. He passed that test with flying colors. So, yeah, Darius is 
probably battling Zach Pickens now for second guy off the board. Um, not so sure. Like if, if you made me say, I might still say Zach goes a little higher, but I would not be shocked at all, at all, if Darius Rush is second off the board after Cam Smith. Where do you think Cam's going? Later first or second would be my guess. Is that about what you think? Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, I, I'd I'd kind of defer to your guy. I uh, if it's the same guy you've talked to a lot of times, he's tended to be <laughs> spot on. I feel like yeah. in the past, so I, I tend to defer to that. And um, you know, I, I think I think for Cam was more of a guy. It's kind of seems like it was kind of solidified already where he was more likely going to go as long as something doesn't pop up. Whereas you know, Darius was still going to need to go through the process and kind of try to to go try to move up the ranks. Uh, Zach, to a lesser extent, but yes, still have to kind of go through the process. And then the further down you get, the more it's like, all right, these guys have got to, um, you know, really show well to potentially move up. But like a Javon Gwynn, who's a guy that I, you know, I think if Javon Gwynn had a little bit more, and it's as crazy as this is to say, but this is modern football, you know, it's not like this is a small human being, but yeah. if he had standard NFL measurements, then you know I think he'd he'd be way up there as far as an interior lineman. Yeah. These interior linemen in the NFL are just so big now. Um, I, I think that's really hurt him, but he's been a really just a great player for South Carolina and a great team guy for South Carolina. So, you know, Javon. Uh, you know, I think Jalen Brooks will probably want to run a faster time at mm-hmm. South Carolina's pro day. And, and then you just have a list of guys who are going to want to sort of do something to just bounce off the page. And I, I think I think you and I have been most intrigued. I think we probably are in, gre- in agreement that Nate Atkins is kind of mm-hmm. the most intriguing guy for South Carolina. And I think we'll also – receive quite a bit of praise from in the building as well when teams go asking hey you know who who else I need to be looking at who's the guy under the radar that nobody's talking about as much you know I I think Nate Atkins is going to be that guy for South Carolina yeah he can do so much for you um be interesting to see if he does any long snapping at, at the pro day because he's been working on that he's got a lot of tools in the in the bag you know he can he can block, he can play special teams, he can work out of the backfield or in line or from the slot. Um, he He's not going to blow you away with any type of like athletic measurable if you're just putting him on a stopwatch. But he's got soft hands, he's just a football player, you know, and he's, like you said, Wes, he's going to be, um, he's going to draw rave reviews from anybody in the building for his work ethic or just how much he means to a team. And so even in the NFL where – Sometimes people get a little too caught up in measurables. Probably, I think some team, some team, or probably teams, are going to fall in love with getting a look at Nate Adkins on their roster. Now, does that mean he's drafted? If he is, it'd be quite late, probably. But I think this is a guy who's going to have a very busy phone, um, and he does have an agent who's been around the business for a long time. Um, that's that's going to help him out, and and I think he'll get an opportunity. And if he gets an ad opportunity, Wes, I think he's going to have probably a better than average chance to stick with Nate Adkins. Um, I totally agree with you that Brooks really needs to put down a better forty time. You know, four seven. I don't know if that ended up being the official, but I think he was four seven, four seven one, something like that in the unofficial times that I saw. And that you know, for being his his kind of one of the cards he could play is is a good 40 time. He's a guy that has long speed from, you know, that was kind of the book on him when he transferred to South Carolina, and we, we saw that on the field too. So disappointing time for him, and that's an area where I'm sure he'll look to improve. Beyond that, it's, it's kind of an interesting group at Pro Day. You know, this a lot of times, Wes, at Pro Day, you're going to see – some walk-ons and you're going to see some seniors who maybe didn't do as much. You'll see that a lot of years at South Carolina. A lot of these guys were big time contributors, even if they don't have the NFL measurables 
or a great shot at being drafted. I could see most or not all of these guys at least getting tryouts or free agent contracts. I mean, you just look at CBS. Obviously, the year was very disappointing, but he was banged up for most mm-hmm. of the year. And you go back and look at what he did at Wake Forest. It's pretty good. Uh, Josh Van, you know, banged up at the end of the year. Hat was up and down in college, but has some ability. You look at Dylan Wanham. Again, injury history, but a starter in the SEC with some interesting traits. Sherrod Green and Brad Johnson at linebacker played a lot of football. Um, and then Devonnie Reed, who didn't probably didn't have the year that that anyone expected fully at South Carolina, but has some good tape from his previous school too. So kind of an interesting group. And so it'll be uh, – I'm interested to see if anybody will jump off the page a little bit to where maybe they're drawing a, a, a little bit more interest in the free agent realm. Yeah, and I, I think, uh, you know, a guy – a guy like Josh Van, who, you know, I, I'm curious to see how far along he is as far as his injury goes. He was listed, you know, among the guys who are going to work out. That may actually be something for us to check on leading into that. But, um, you know, there's some talent in this bunch, and you never, you never know. Don't, don't you feel like Chris? There's always maybe a guy that runs a little bit. It's like a little bit more athletic than maybe yeah. our eye test gave him the credit for. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, uh, probably Ernest Jones that one year. I know you brought that one up. That was yeah. one. That was – and Ernest ended up going – I mean, like, Ernest was interesting because we knew he was a good player in college. Like, he was obviously really quite – he was a really good player. But I don't know if I was like, all right, this – what did he end up going? Fourth round, I think, to the Rams. Um, I don't know if I thought he was going to go that high. But then you kept hearing things – about him rising up draft boards, and then he turned in that pro day where he put up some yeah, – I think the 40 was a, a sub 4.7, not amazing, but pretty good for his size, good vertical numbers, some other good testing numbers, and he ended up rising up the boards. So I don't know if there's one of those in this in this class, aside from the, you know, the combine guys and Nate Adkins that we've been talking about, but there could be someone in that group, you know, that, that ends up drawing a look and has a good pro day. Yeah, Ernest, third round, 103 overall. So he's right on the edge of where um, people are projecting Darius, you know, to potentially go. And, you know, sometimes stuff like that really comes down to needs of a particular franchise. Um, How do they see you as a fit for their scheme? I mean, we we sometimes talk about it in broad terms like, oh, this is a first-round pick or this is a top-three-round pick. You could fall to the fourth round just because there might be a team that would have loved you in the third round because you're a fit for what they do, but they need another spot, uh, but they do want your position, or maybe they don't have a third-round pick. You can fall based on needs and based on what particular teams, uh, you know, like about you and how you fit their scheme and um, and all that stuff as well. So there's so many variables that go into this thing. But, uh, you know, I, I think for, for Carolina, it'll be interesting to see – where the dominoes fall as we get ever closer to this thing. And uh, by the way, we want to welcome one more quick sponsor to Gamecock Central. I didn't even warn Chris about this, but uh, you may have seen on Monday, if you're on Gamecock Central, that we have welcomed uh, Andy Ledecky from My Perfect Franchise to the site. And uh, Andy is actually a broad sponsor of several on three sites now. So uh, we want to welcome Andy. You may hear us talk about Andy a couple times a month on the podcast as well. Uh, you can contact Andy at the email address, Andy at myperfectfranchise.net, or you can just give him a call, shoot him a text, 404-973-9901. And you may be sitting there asking what this is all about. Well, if you're ready to leave the corporate rat race for the American dream, do you want to have a side hustle with your current job? Uh, do you want to diversify and build wealth? Andy can help you do that. He is a franchise consultant as well as a franchise owner, and he helps people find franchises that fit their skill sets, financial requirements, and time to commit, and more. Most importantly, his services are 100% free. Uh, So basically what Andy will do, he will talk to you. He will see if you've ever wanted to own your own franchise and what franchise you might be interested in, and then he will match you with a company that um, tends to match sort of where you are in life where you are financially, 
and where your strengths are. And uh, you get it for free because a lot of these corporations will pay a finder's fee essentially to um, to people like Andy to help set these up. So again, 404-973-9901. Chris, you want to own uh, your own there brand? You. That sounds like a pretty good life. I was going to say, great, great job telling us about Andy because now I'm super intrigued and really cool stuff that he does. So, yeah. I, I, did, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. Because um, I, I actually, I talked to Andy for like an hour uh, a couple weeks ago when I found out he was wanting to work with the different on three sites. And I was like, dude, I, you know, I don't understand this. And because his service is free to you yep. if you do it. And it's because uh, if you are, let's say, Let's say you're a firehouse. Let's bring in one of our other great sponsors. Let's say you're a firehouse and you're looking for franchisees like Larry Chandler, who does a fantastic job. Yep. Well, you will work with people like Andy because Andy knows what a successful yep. person looks like. And he can help walk you through the process to help make you be successful as well. So, Chris, you would call up Andy and say, Hey, I love sandwiches. My your family actually used to own a fr- uh, sandwich shop, I believe. No, absolutely. So uh, you would say, and I have this amount of money. I live in Columbia, and he would say, okay, well, you know, you could look into Firehouse. You could look into. We won't say their name. We won't say their name. And uh, then he might, he might sort of match him up. And he would go to Firehouse and say, hey, I got this guy, who would um, be a great fit for you. And so then Firehouse pays their finder's fee to Andy so that you personally don't have to put any money into what he's helping you do. So um, I guess I'm allowed to say that's how it works, but that is how it works. I, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was <laughs> it intriguing because I was like, no, I, this, I don't understand. Um, that is fascinating. Cool stuff. Glad to have Andy on board. Yes. Thank you, Andy. Um, Todd's asking a question. We're going to get to Todd's question here in a second, but um one cool thing about this too is you can be um, I'm trying to think of the word. I'm I'm butchering this right now. Basically, you can be a business owner, but you're like kind of quasi managing it. It's like you mm-hmm. you you hire somebody to manage your business, but you're still owning it. And um, pretty good way to live if you can get it all matched up right. But uh, mm-hmm. Chris Todd wants to know which position group is the weakest for now. I mean, we've talked about this quite a bit. Um, it's got to be edge and running back on paper. Mm-hmm. You have to pick one, though, especially because Todd dropping the tip. Appreciate it, Todd. I mean, do I have to pick one? Uh, I'll pick one if you don't want to pick one. Well, all right. You say you're – let's say ours at the same time, and let's see if it's the same. Like a rock, paper, scissors? Yes, on three. One. Two, three, edge. Edge, yep. Edge okay. is the one. Do you see how you worked the on three reference in there too? Good job. Um, I didn't even do that on purpose, but yes. Yeah, I, I still think it's edge because, I don't know, man. For, for me, I mean, you, you really have even more questions there. I feel like running back, you can sometimes, this is part of my thinking, and you, and you might say, Chris, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But part of my thinking on this is at running back, you can do a little bit more smoke and mirrors sometimes. Now, it is a little bit, maybe not as smart of me to say that because look at last year, right? So when South Carolina has Marshawn Lloyd in the game and he breaks seven tackles on one play, there's a drop off between that and what the other stuff we saw was. But, there's some counterpoints, you know, um, usage of your back, scheme, what you're doing, et cetera, et cetera. I feel like you can mask it a little bit more at times. It's a little harder or a lot harder to mask being deficient on the edge to me. You know, you start thinking about third downs and getting after the passer. If you don't, if you can't get home with four, you're having to send extra guys. And we know the vulnerabilities that can expose you to on the back end. And I don't want to say that they're in good shape at running back at all because I don't think they are. But you do have a guy in Juju that's played some. You do have Mario Anderson there. 
You might be able to get creative with some of the stuff you're doing in the run game. Again, a little bit of smoke and mirrors. You need production, but a little bit of smoke and mirrors. With Edge, you don't really feel good probably beyond Jordan Strawn, who, to be frank, is also coming off another ACL injury. You got Terrell Dawkins, who's done some good things in college, right? But he also has an injury history. So it's at least fair to ask that question. Will he be healthy? And then you're banking on some guys stepping forward and, and freshmen like Desmond Yumiazulu. So for all those reasons, I'm still going with Edge as being the weaker position for now. Probably fairly close, though. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, you're you're hoping Terrell Dawkins can be that guy for you that comes in and helps. You're hoping you can hit the portal, you know, uh, at both those spots. It's going to be determined by who's out there, who can you land. It's hard It's hard to just say, oh, you'll fix that in the portal. You, you don't know. You don't know that. That, that would be the hope. And, yeah. uh, you know, Dawkins obviously got here last year, but just uh, was dealing with – got banged up, dealing with injuries. He's not a guy that you've just seen go play a lot. So, you know, that that's going to be a question until it's not. And I do – I think you're right, though, man. Especially if if you can get pretty good O-line play, you know, you, you can do some things at running back without being dynamic. On, yeah. you know, Edge, you, you have to have a baseline of, uh, of traits – I feel like of really innate traits, you would say. And then it's just hard. It's harder to play as a true freshman. Like I, I think Dez, um, it's going to be a really good player for South Carolina, but you know, you, you really have to, it's not really necessarily fair to ask him to be the guy as a true freshman in the SEC, even if he does go through spring practice, which he will. So you know, I look at that. I also, I think you brought this point up, but I, it stuck with me because it was a good one. You lose Cam Smith, you lose Darius Rush at corner. Rush and cover, not Darius Rush, but literally rushing the passer and covering in the back end are always going to be connected. And so we saw Carolina bring a lot of extra guys. We saw them bring linebackers last year a lot. It's because they felt really good about matching up on the back end. Do you feel as good about that? This year, you know, I, I don't know. We'll find out. So, I, I think with running back, you can probably get by. I think Juju needs to have a great offseason in, you know, in the, the weight program. We like to pretend Juju can never be the feature back. There have been smaller backs in college who have actually been feature backs. So, you know, I, I'd like to see him have a really, really good offseason in the strength and conditioning program. And then – you know, man, can a DJ Braswell just come in and be a guy? Can a Mario Anderson? Some of that's going to depend on your offensive line play. If the O-line blocks well, if the passing game opens things up, you maybe don't need a five-star back, a dynamic back, to run the football fairly well, I think. Yeah, and it very well could be that this is a team that leans more on the passing game given the personnel. I mean, it, it was really it's really interesting to look back on it, Wes, because I won't speak for you. But I felt like we were on the same page with this, but I thought going into last year, hey, you've got Spencer Rattler and some receivers. This is going to be need to be a little bit more of an air it out, let it fly offense. Well, as it turned out, at the beginning of the season, the team looked better when they were able to settle in, able to run the football. That then kind of went away, and they struggled a good bit. And then at the end, it was a little bit more of what we thought it it could be. And, you know, Marshawn Lloyd played against Clemson, I think, 30-something snaps. He wasn't himself in that game. He didn't play at all against Tennessee. That was the two biggest wins of the season. Now, that said, you don't want to be overly relying on the pass game. This is still a team that I think is going to need to be able to run the ball when it needs to. And, and to mix that in. So probably fair to expect this year that Dow Loggins, new offensive coordinator, when you're looking at the personnel on this team, if you're smart, you're saying, okay, we feel better about Spencer Rattler and the tight ends and the receivers than lining up and saying we're going to just run it down your throat every play. That doesn't seem like a very good strategy to me. But what I do know is the running back situation does have to get figured out. The run game – 
does have to get figured out more of those questions answered than we currently have answered, which is not very many um, in order to them for, for them to feel, you know, just better exiting the spring about the run game. Yeah. And I, I don't really know that there's, it's hard to find great running backs in the portal. I think to an extent, um, you know, that that's why I think you have to, you take a Mario Anderson, a guy who's bumping up and, you know, hasn't played at the sec level. And, there is a little bit of inherent uh, risk in doing that. I think it can work out for you as well, though. So I, I think we'll all be waiting to see what that looks like. But just finding, you know, a, a former four or five star guy who has also just been awesome at the SEC level and just falls into your lap in the transfer portal just doesn't happen, man. Like yeah. most of the time, those guys are going to stay where they're at. If somebody just blow, you know, Jameer Gibbs, he blows up, he goes to an Alabama, you know, like a ready-made situation for him. So just find it, you know, going out there and finding a Jameer Gibbs look-alike, don't don't really expect that because I, I just can't see that happening post-spring. So uh, it's going to be a question. You, you do, if you're a Carolina fan, you hope you can find that edge guy that can come in and really play well and play a bunch. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see if it happens or not. Um, what have we not hit? Uh, I think we hit everything we wanted to hit today. We can do the rest on a future installment of GC Live. Yes, we will. Uh, we'll start diving into some position groups. Uh, obviously, we did that a little bit today, but um, you know, we'll we'll talk about that more and, and we'll talk about spring practice observations and you know i th- i don't want to speak out of turn i think i think there was some talk of us being able to do some live stuff on 107.5 from pro day so be on the lookout for that that'll be cool i think there'll be a lot to get from that as well but uh, he's chris i'm wes appreciate y'all for listening watching however you uh, take in the show and appreciate our sponsors as well. Uh, We'll see y'all soon.